Welcome to our newest adventure for first responder wellness. No one fights alone. In-depth conversations about mental health and culture in the first responder space. We're joined by your co-hosts, Austin Pedersen and Brad Shepard. Austin, my friend, it's good to be back. Uh, it's been a minute since we've done one of these. We've both been so crazy busy. Uh, I'm really excited to get on and jump on one of these uh, and talk about whatever. What's going on with you, man? Way too busy, man. Way too busy. You know, I think we uh, take advantage of our coworkers sometimes. <laughs> and when they leave for a week, <laughs> we remember and realize how much work it is to to make a company function. Tyler, I I discredited his name a time or two yesterday in the uh, aftermath of him finishing out his vacation. But I think I told you I am so thankful for Tyler and what he does. I don't know that I could do this every day. Yeah, I remember, man. I mean, I did it for three and a half years-ish. And I think the difference is, is that like, it just becomes normal. Do you know what I mean? And so like, you don't think about the, the frustrations or the complexities and the scheduling and like all of the things that it takes to get somebody to come to treatment, you forget about them. And then when you have to do it for, we only did it for seven days. I'm like, holy shit, man, this dude needs some help. Like, <laughs> I'll hire another person for him. So just to be clear for our listeners, if you uh, maybe missed Tyler uh, Tusher's podcast, he is the, um, he's our singularly our intake uh, admissions uh, personnel. And if you call in to Chateau or call one of the phone lines, you're going to get 90% chance you're going to get Tyler. Uh, unless he's, you know, distracted or doing something that prohibits him from answering the phone. So that's, that's the Tyler we're referring to. And Tyler went on vacation. So the backup phone calls go to Austin and I, and man, it's been, it, and it's not the, been the volume, Austin, it's not been the volume of these calls. It's been the intensity of these calls lately. Like I, you know, I take calls from time to time and generically they're, you know, I'm not doing well in life, but these lately have been heavy, like heavy, heavy calls. Like I'm, I'm not doing well at all. Been a lot. Have you sensed that? I've sensed that over the last couple of years, to be honest. Like, I think that, uh, I've been doing this in and out for a decade and, you know, a majority of the time it's people that are, you know, Hey, I'm really struggling. I realize I need some help. Like, let's do this. Let's move forward. But the the mental health levels that people are going through, the depression, the anxiety, the suicidal ideation, all of those extra things that are coming into play have dramatically increased over the last four years. You know, it's interesting. You say that I, I feel like, you know, and I'm not an expert in this and I, I, you know, I don't know, but I do work in this wellness industry, specifically the first responder industry. And, you know, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of things have changed over the last two, three, four years uh, for us as a, as a nation, as a country, as a society, as a, you know, as a community um, within first responder community, um, the, you know, the breakdown of the family unit, the, um, 
the breakdown of the nuclear family. You know, you don't, you don't go around your parents like you. So your these support groups are not as, um, uh, uh, firmly constructed as what they were historically. Uh, and there is a lot of isolation, a lot of isolating, I think all those factors. And then you throw in the COVID, you know, you can't talk to anybody. You can't be around anybody. Crap. I, I think that's just a recipe for a lot of people wading through the quagmire of their lives on their own. And we all know that's a terrible idea. Yeah. I mean, the whole world's beaten COVID debt to death and what's gone on during that, but I think it actually brought a lot of mental health issues to light due to the fact that a lot of the things that people were doing or using to maybe mask some of those feelings and emotions suddenly disappeared. And so, you know, the mental health levels increased and increased and increased. And as time went on, it just, they started to come out more and more. And and that's, I mean, it's as we all know that domestic violence numbers are way up. We know the depression numbers are way up. Anxiety, that that specific word uh, has increased more than anything else. Like uh, in children, in spouses, in everyone, sure. they just have this like rippling anxiety that they never had before. Like four years ago, anxiety really wasn't prevalent when people were seeking out some kind of help in the same way like it was there but it is now like a key component to everybody's breakdowns they're like i'm just i just have anxiety to the point that i can't function can't get out of bed you know day to day i just can't do the task that it takes for me to be a functioning member of society I could not agree more. The, you know, the, uh, the thing that came to mind while you were saying that was I hear people throw around, um, you know, I've got PTSD from it now and, and I hear that all the time. And, and part of me, a little bit of me at first goes to, well, you don't know what, what you're describing is not PTSD. So it's become such a, uh, watered down, um, term, um, most oh, people yeah. probably don't even know what it stands for, but they recognize it's become such a common communication uh, verbiage that people associate that with, hey, I'm, you know, here I am months later, I'm still struggling with the same issue. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean PTSD probably doesn't at all. But yes, you are having anxiety issues. You are having depression issues. You are having mental health issues. Um, what you know, what rhetorically asking them, what are you doing for this? You know, what types of things are you, are you doing to, to help yourself? And, you know, and additionally to that, uh, something you said resonated there was just, just the simple fact that, that, um, people's, people's coping skills are terrible. They're, they're, they're terrible. They're eating more, they're sitting around more. They're watching garbage on the TV more. Um, you know, they're <clears throat> instead of doing something productive when they get at home from work, um, they're planting themselves in a chair and, and uh, social media dumbing or numbing probably is a better, more accurate word as you can social media numb yourself. And, you know, those social media, I have to admit, I, I enjoy the Instagram reels, I'll get on and enjoy it, but you can, 
mess around and spend an hour, two, three hours on social media and you've just washed away an entire evening with nothing. And, you know, I talk, I track a lot of these, uh, I do track a lot of the David Goggins, Jocko Willinks, the Joe Rogans on these that are, uh, you know, Chris Williamson, Cameron Haynes. These, these guys are like, get out of the chair and go do something. Get, out of the, get up and go do something, you know? Um, so just trying to circle that conversation out to something productive. It's a, it's a, it's a deep hole of shit is what it is when you start looking at some of these coping skills. Okay. Time to get vulnerable, Brad here. Lay it on me. Do you have your screen time, uh, notification that comes up at the end of each week? I do. And I, what's your average screen time? Uh, I don't know that I could tell you that. Hold on. I can tell you real quick. My daily average is seven hours and 10 minutes. Holy shit. First off, that's, that's a lot. <laughs> I'm glad I said, let's get vulnerable. Cause I didn't, I thought you were going to give me a number a little bit lower than that for sure. Um, no, but- talk about, Talk about a coping skill, right? <laughs> Talking about the unhealthy coping mechanisms that we have. Yeah, so that's a huge one. Uh, and I just just made sure because this is the the facts I want to go in. So average American per day right now in 2023, average TV time is three hours and 30 minutes a day. Average phone time, screen time, is three hours and 15 minutes, which that surprised me. I thought it would be maybe a little bit less, but then you got to take into maybe the older population that doesn't participate in social media quite as much, but that's six hours of your day just distracted by something else, something that allows you to not be present. And do I use my phone and TV as a distraction? Absolutely. Absolutely, because my average phone time is around four hours, four hours and 30 minutes. So I thought that's what you were going to spit out. But, man, why are you on your phone so much? Let's, let's talk about that for a second. What are you trying to escape? I am. Uh, I'm sitting here looking at it. So last week uh, I spend, let's see, messages, uh, which is a lot of my work. Uh, I spent on messages. That's the that's the bulk of it. Um, That is almost four hours. Um, I have uh, an hour 30 on um, Safari, which is is research or looking up stuff. Uh, Instagram's an hour-ish. Notes, Spotify's high. Um, Yeah, phone. An hour, 10 minutes on the phone. That's, there's a lot of my, so, you know, the, the, yeah, that's heavy. It, it is a lot, but a lot of that's work. Um, you know, I live messages is really high. I didn't realize it was quite so high as that. That's my, that's my number one. Messages do take a long time. I have high messages too. So, Mine is about four hours and 30 minutes on average, but my YouTube 
is way up there. <laughs> I watch a shit ton of YouTube, man. So I watch an hour and 30 minutes a day on average of YouTube, which is. So for me, that's YouTube is actually probably me being more present personally, because I'm I only watch stuff on YouTube that is teaching me something. Yeah. So like I, I get obsessed with a subject and then try and learn more and more and more about it. And uh, but the other ones, yeah, the Facebook was an hour and 30 minutes watching those videos and then phone and messages and, you know, Delta apps and stuff like that is the rest. But that is, a, I mean, both of us just showed our uh, our timeline per day. Yeah. Right. Which means we're over the average as well. TV's not TV's high at night for me, too. I mean, from eight to 11, there's something on in the background of the TV. Yeah, I usually don't hit TV so until a little bit later, maybe. Uh, nine or ten, I'll watch a show, a little bit of sh- something till eleven ish, and that's I've kind of messed that up that cycle um, through a couple exterior reasons. Um, but I I used to get up at four or five. Now I get up about six six thirty, and I've reorganized my sleeping pattern. But I yeah, this is this is interesting. I'm, I'm sitting here looking at it. You know the I've have some. Uh, the video time, online video time, these all, you know, kind of add into it. Uh, my working out uh, plays a part in it. So that's, that throws some time on there. The Spotify is uh, podcasting. So there's some podcasts on Spotify, um, which is what I was just listening to one, the the whole UFO conspiracy. I'm intrigued by that. I'm anxious to get through the, that little three-part series on Sean Ryan's UFO series. But yeah, that's, I don't mind being vulnerable to that. That's uh, it's pretty telling, really. Um, Facebook's pretty low. I don't, I don't really get on Facebook much anymore. Um, don't really care for it much. Um, seems pretty cheesy. I do like the Instagram thing. I'm not a Snapchatter. I have no idea how that even works. Um, I try to get on Twitter once in a while. I don't know how that works. Um, yeah, I'm not a Twitter guy. You want to know my deadliest one what, here? Is what I'm actually looking at. Audible, you know, oh, yeah. uh, books on yeah. tape. In the month of May, I had 75 hours and 48 minutes of listening to books. <laughs> In the month of June, I had 65 hours and 35 minutes of listening to books. Holy cow. And so far this month, on the today's the 19th of July, I have 28 hours and 33 minutes. So uh, it appears that I am utilizing audible as a uh an escape tool there and i didn't even realize it but that's that's a lot i mean look that's our coat look we're we're talking about mental health sure. levels and distractions and all of that kind of stuff like we're as guilty as the next partner now i think that we are doing a little bit more mental health work of therapists and groups and things like that you know to to offset some of that but a lot of people they don't do those kind of things. I mean, like how many people when you are talking to them have ever done any type of group therapy and, and AA meetings count as that too, I would assume. Or any, even, uh, even know and understand how to uh, do meditation or mindfulness exercises. Uh, you know, that's a big part of my morning that doesn't, you know, this is, this is very telling. This is, this is a great topic of discussion for, you know, hopefully for people out there that might be helpful, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's me going to, you know, home groups, uh, part of my, part of my daily routine. Um, 
last night was my home group. I do Tuesdays and Thursday nights. Uh, I might even hit a, and I had a meeting in California. Did I tell you this already? Uh, while I was out there last week, mm-hmm. um, no. I well, part of my, you know, part of the 12 step is practicing the principles. And I, I, uh, I looked up at a meeting, had a break middle of the day before that function on Saturday and hit a meeting they, it was in a park, 83 degrees, uh, up in, uh, Santa Clarita. Uh, it was absolutely fantastic meeting. Just, it was, it was more the, um, the environment, lawn chairs kicked back, just so really open. Mm-hmm. And when you come up, there's smiles. You love going to meetings, you know, the, where they're, you know, they're pretty grounded already. And, uh, yeah, so that's a big part of my, those are part of my days that don't get put on here, but yeah, you're, this is very telling. And I do look at yeah, this. I mean, I do look at this, uh, once in a while I get a report at the end of the week and, um, I always liked when I see the down, you're down from last week. Um, just so happens my week this week is up 8%. So. Ooh, better get, better change that now yeah, for sure. It's Wednesday. It's only halfway through. So you can, <laughs> You've got some time to to get it taken care of. Like, what's I mean? Let's go solution based here, man. What is the solution for these people that are just out in the world that don't have some of the capabilities that you and I have developed because we've been doing this so long? I mean, what do we what do we do for these people? Because our field has increased time by a hundred percent. I think a full hundred percent. It has increased in people either seeking help, needing help or struggling. Well, I certainly don't have all the answers, but I can tell you, I, I literally just got off the phone and I know I was telling you this before we start on started recording, but I literally just got off the phone with somebody that is so overwhelmed with life. They're dysfunctional. They're dysregulated so much that their life now is somewhat dysfunctional. And, uh, so I, I kind of have a couple of these already uh, there, which is um, one of the things that I told this person was, I challenge you through the course of the rest of the day, whatever, whatever event or function that you're on in that moment and do it every, every one of these functions. Uh, they were take they were currently picking up their kids to go to uh, uh, transferring their kids to another event. And I said, before you drop your kids off, look your kids in the eye and express verbally something that you're grateful for about what you're doing in that moment or what you feel about them or some kind of gratitude in that moment. And then the next event, before you finish it, find a, find something that you're thankful for in that moment. And I said, some of these events will be shitty. You're, you're, you're going to, you're going to be going to, you know, dealing with some of your dysregulation but you can find something to be grateful for in that moment. Um, and I just heard, ironically, I'll circle back to Instagram. I just heard, uh, one of the pretty intense, um, self-help motivator guys talking about gratitude is standalone. One of the greatest mental health, uh, aids that we can do on our own. Uh, just the simple act of gratitude uh, and I know how much it's helped me. I know how much it does for me. And I push that a lot. So I, I think from a solution base, that would be one that I'd offer. What you have thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, gr- gratefulness has been 
gratitude lists, all of those kind of things. They've been one of the key components for, you know, happiness for a really long time, right? Like this, if we go 20 years back in, in, you know, the mental health field, I think that that was probably still one of the top things that they ask people to do. But, you know, for me, it's like, obviously we work in treatment, but I, I've told you this time and time again, I do not think that everyone needs to go to treatment, right? In one way or another. I do not personally do not believe that there is tons of other options. And those are the things that people need to do, right? Because I it's a crazy statistic along the lines of like 90% of people hate their job. And then when you look at the amount of time that they are spending with their job, I mean, it's one third of their time is working, right. if not more, right? The average, uh, I don't have the, the female average, but the male average per week is 44 hours of work. So you are spending 44 hours of your week at work and then you're going home, let's say it's an hour to commute or something along those lines, you are now spending 10 hours a day in some kind of work capacity environment. Yeah. And you're coming home, you're getting maybe five, six hours with your family, and then you're sleeping, right? Average-wise. You know, that's obviously less than some people or more than some people. So the majority of your time you are spending at work. And if you hate your job, that means a majority of the time you are hating life, right? What I don't know what the solution. People need to make money, right? People need to provide for their families. I'm not saying quit your job or do anything like along those lines, but I think a key component is figuring out how to make your life at work more enjoyable. And that can be gratitude lists. That can be friendships at work. That can be mindfulness there. That can be... Uh, and and it could be changing careers completely, right? Sacrificing money, which is in, extremely difficult, especially today when everything is so goddamn expensive. Something's got to be figured out there. Because I I take a look and I think, okay, if I hated my job, I do not, I, I do not, I dislike components of my job. Don't get me wrong, but I love my job. If I did not like it. How much unhappier would I be, right? Well, I think there is something to be said for uh, finding, um, I don't want to use the word pleasure, but but a, a component of satisfaction, uh, of equilibrium, balance in your job that actually allows you the opportunity to live a life of serenity and peace. You know, nobody, nobody intentionally wants to take off working. Um, you know, my... 26 year old who just started his career job. Uh, one of the things that I, he's having a ball. He is loving what he's doing. Um, you know, I'll work for free, you know, that kind of, uh, just cause he's having a great time. Although yeah. he's, you know, I'm, I'm glad he's, <laughs> I'm glad he's making money. So I'm not having to give him money, uh, like I was, but the, but the, I mean, the reality is you look at that and say, at some point, most of us, turn the table there and say, okay, I've overinvested so much because I enjoyed what I was doing early on. And this is particularly, um, particularly, uh, resonates heavy in the first responder community because we're all idealists. Uh, and I feel, uh, I've seen that in, even on my new path in the recovery industry, I've seen that a little bit in the recovery industry as well. We're idealists. We want to help. 
and there becomes an overinvestment and the, and the pendulum swing with that is later you're like, well, I've given so much and you're giving me back so little. Um, and I've had these conversations with guys like you signed up for this amount of pay. Why is it now that you're wanting more? You know, you, you, you knew going into this, that this was the agreed upon amount, whatever you gave more to the agency or industry that you're working in really is on you. And that's a difficult conversation to have. But I think to, you know, to your point, um, at some, the, the, the people who are healthy or have gotten healthy come out of that, recognize the balance of a daily schedule, a daily routine, a daily um, set of boundaries, if you will. Nobody likes using that word, but that's really what we're talking about here of, of setting boundaries within, okay, I'm going to do, I have to do 10 hours to use your illustration, eight hours at work, hour back and forth on the road. You know, what that, that hour back and forth on the road, you can even be doing something in that, you know, that, that drive time, you could be doing audiobook or, uh, you know, what are you doing other than just being mad at, at the drivers around you? Uh, you can, you can listen to a, you can listen to a podcast. You can listen to uh, a meditation or even music. That's not heavy metal or crazy. That's ramping up your, your anxiety. Uh, and then are you intentional about what, what you're doing when you're getting home? I, I, we talk to people a lot about this. This is part of, you know, part of our program of self-leadership. Uh, exiting Chateau, you know, obviously, but um, are you being intentional about your time management? Are you being, and the person I just got off phone with, that was one of the things I brought up. What uh, they're, they're just loathing their life in a quagmire of shit. And okay. Are you being intentional about getting out of that? Or are you being intentional about being in it? You know, cause you're a lot of these guys you hear on these, these podcasts, they're like, you're doing something. So what is it you're doing? So I, yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it's really important to recognize there is, there is other ways out there not to be a victim to your own, whatever, fill in the blank. I agree. I I definitely agree. Being intentional. I mean, we had this conversation yesterday, right? You and I have like the amount of hours that I have spent with people on the phone for whatever reason. And I look back and I somewhat get resentful of like, that is time I will never get back (laughs) in my life. Right. Like if I look at it that way, if I look at it that way, if I look at it in a, under a different perspective of like, this is what I signed on for and I'm not doing anything extra by spending more time. I'm just not being able to do something else. And you know, maybe that, that person needed that conversation or, or whatever it may be, right. You got to change your perspective on things because when I said that to you yesterday, that exact quote of like, I've spent hours of my life with people on the phone that I shouldn't have, and I'll never get back that time back. I hung up and I was resentful, right? I'm like, God damn it, man. Like getting older, can't see as well, lost all my hair, chubby, you know, uh, it, it's all, that's seriously what went through my head afterwards, right? Get resentful at like, this is, this is my life. And this is what is, you know, fuck God damn it. Yeah. You know, like that's, that's what went through my head and it's such a wrong way to think about things, but it's that that's what gets us stuck right now. Like I went to sleep and did my gratitude list before bed while I'm out of that. Right. Like that's, that's. Yeah. That's getting rid of that that in you know insane mindset of resentment towards 
just doing my job. But I don't think people are able to get out of that. Exactly what you talked about. I think, uh, well, well, let's, okay, let's, let's circle back to the, I'll reciprocate it and ask you the same question. Cause I, this has been a great kind of chasing rabbit. So what would you offer as a tool or a resource that people can do on their own? You know, they, you know, to your point, they don't, they don't need residential treatment. Not everybody out there. Oftentimes they don't even need therapy. They just need, they just need an awareness and a tool. Uh, what would you offer up? Okay, this is gonna be dumb, but I'm dead That's serious. That's what we talk about. That's honestly. all we are on here is dumb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm a firm believer of this, man. Get a fucking hobby. Oh uh, yeah. Like get something. I mean, it could be Legos. It could be whatever. Like it could be pickleball. It could be the whatever. Like get a fucking. I don't think as we grow up. I, I'm thinking about this seriously. I thought about this about a week ago. Growing up, I did nothing but sports. Nothing but sports. And my dad was an ex-pro athlete. Like, that's what was expected. My grandfather was an ex-pro athlete. Like, that is what was expected, right? Played baseball all summer, basketball, football, tennis, whatever, right? Like, that's what we did growing up. Granted, those things are all good for someone. I think it, it gains you a level of competitiveness and structure and discipline and all of those type of things. But when you turn about 30, your body stops working as well. Obviously you're not, you're not making a living out of it. A majority of the time basketball is, you know, I think the NBA has a total of 500 people in a 300 million person society. Football is, you know, 50 per team. There's like 16 teams, something like that. So you can do the math there baseball same thing you know like there's a very low percentage of people that will end up being pro athletes and when you spent your entire childhood focusing purely on that what is what do you leave with a sense of emptiness right you, you they always talk we always make fun of people that live in their high school days right like oh that was the high school uh quarterback whatever or even arguably right? a sense like, of failure yeah yeah a sense of failure a sense of emptiness and all of those things I was never promoted to do something like art or, you know, woodworking or, you know, like they didn't have metal shop. They didn't have auto shop. They didn't have nothing of that in my school. But Thank you for listening to this segment of No One Fights Alone. No One Fights Alone is sponsored by Chateau Recovery is a 16-bed treatment facility nestled in the foothills of the Wasatch Mountains in Midway, Utah. Chateau's First Responder Resiliency Program is designed to treat the unique challenges and issues that first responders encounter in the course of their careers. Chateau's comprehensive and highly individualized approach to treatment addresses more than just the presenting issues. It addresses the why. Each of their seasoned, trauma-trained, and culturally competent therapists utilize evidence-based, specialized therapies to treat trauma at its core and enable clients to begin the healing process while developing a resilient and healthy relationship with stress. Chateau Recovery is trusted by departments and agencies from around the country to treat responders and veterans. In fact, it is one of only a handful of facilities nationwide that is vetted and approved to treat members of the Fraternal Order of Police. For more information or to speak to a representative, 
go to chateaurecovery.com or call 888-507-5031. No One Fights Alone is also sponsored by First Responder Trauma Counselors. First Responder Trauma Counselors are subject matter experts in proactive behavioral health care for frontline workers through their National Peer Support Academy. This 40-hour all-badges, all-uniforms, and all-scrubs educational experience helps to create caring, honest, and empathetic peer support relationships with your fellow frontline workers. The FRTC National Peer Support Academy is taught by actual first responders who have gone back to school to become culturally competent, licensed behavioral health clinicians that teach from lived experiences, not just theories from books. This fast-paced, immersive educational academy will not just change your life, it will help you save the lives of others. For additional details, visit 991overwatch.org or call 970-222-419-3. This could be the most life-changing academy you'll ever attend.